How many know there's more in 24? Do you believe that? Okay. Like, I, I get that. So, I mean, 23 was great, and uh, we, we want to walk out of 23 into 2024 with our eyes open, <clears throat> not with any sense of just, you know, pretension. We have to be intentional if we want to see change in our lives, and there's some things that we're going to be talking about to help us really transition into more. So Deuteronomy 8, first three verses, and then we'll, we'll just start to unpack that a little bit, see how we, how we go this morning. Um, the English Standard Version is what I'm using. It says here, starting at verse 1, Deuteronomy 8, verses 1 through 3, the whole commandment that I command you today, you shall be careful to do, that you may live and multiply and go in and possess the land that the Lord swore to give to your fathers. You shall remember the whole way that the Lord your God has led you these 40 years in the wilderness, that he might humble you, testing you to know what was in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not. And he humbled you and let you hunger and fed you with manna, which you did not know, nor did your fathers know, that he might make you know that man does not live by bread alone, but man lives by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Wow. What an amazing passage of scripture. Just quick kind of context for this. So Israel had been in the wilderness for 40 years, and they're about to cross over. God's saying it's time to cross over into uh, the promised land. And God speaks to Josh, I'm sorry, to Moses and says, hey, Moses, knowing that, of course, Moses is not going to be the one that leads them in, that Joshua will. But he speaks to Moses, and he says, I want you to prepare them for what is about to happen. They're about to cross over into the promised land, and I don't want these past 40 years to be in vain. Now, understand that no matter what you've gone through in life, even if it was the results of choices that you have made that weren't necessarily God's will, they weren't necessarily wise choices, they may have been even choices that literally run contrary to God's will, regardless of that, there's mercy. There's mercy. And God, even though there may be a delay, there may be a detour in the process, process, sorry, uh, I'm speaking American English for a minute, I struggle back and forth. I, I, people ask me, how many languages do you speak? Coming from Canada, you know, we're bilingual, and we're supposed to be, but... I speak actually at least three languages. Are you ready? American English, Canadian English, and a bit of Australian English. So, kind of, come on. So, uh, but, but anyway, let's talk about this. So we're in a process. The process has to do with preparing us for what God wants to do in our lives. How many know that? When preparation meets with opportunity, you experience breakthrough. Something takes place when you prepare yourself, when you learn those things that God is wanting to teach you, and then the set time comes, the opportunity comes where God says, now is the time, now is the season. If you have prepared yourself, then you will see an amazing future. God will do amazing things in your life. But you can be like the children of Israel who were locked into the wilderness for 40 years, 
should have taken them just a few months to cross over. The journey wasn't that far. It was about 400 kilometers from Ramses, Egypt, into the Promised Land. They could have done it in a few weeks, perhaps even three weeks by foot, and yet they spent 40 years in the wilderness. How many know that there are some times and occasions in our life where we get off track, we go against God's will, and that causes us to at least see the promise postponed. I'm not saying we won't experience it because God is merciful, but what I am saying is we can delay our destiny if we are not fully submitted to God. So what the Lord says to Moses is, I want you to speak to the children of Israel. I want them to look back before they can go forward. Come on. 2023, and even maybe back further, we may have some memories. There may be some pain. There may be circumstances that weren't favorable to us. But the Lord says, I want you to look back. Now, that's contrary to what we hear in a lot of places today. Because we, we read the scripture earlier, Lynn shared from Isaiah, where he says, forget the former things. Now, that word forget doesn't mean like, don't, you know, be in denial. It's not what it means. It means don't, don't focus on that. Don't, don't stay attached to that. But remember, God has some great things ahead for you. But then we read elsewhere that God says, I want you to remember my faithfulness. I want you to remember, as it says here, specifically in verse number two, and you shall remember the whole way that the Lord your God has led you these 40 years in the wilderness. Remember the whole way. Some other translations say, remember that the Lord led you. That's really not what it's saying. The English standard says, remember the whole way. The NIV says, remember how the Lord led you. In other words, there is a specific plan that God had when he took them through the wilderness. The Holy Spirit was leading them in the wilderness. God was taking them where he wanted them to go. He could have taken them right from Egypt into the promised land, but he chose not to do so. Why? Well, several things We'll break this down in greater depth and as we unpack this message more. As I said, this is just kind of an overview today. But ultimately, there's a purpose for the process. There's a purpose for the wilderness. There's, a, there's, there's literally a purpose in the delay. There is a purpose in your pain. You say, well, the devil, the devil. Hey, I want to show you something here, Okay. The devil gets too much credit for things at times. You know that? Because yeah. it says how the Lord led you these 40 years in the wilderness, that he might humble you. How many know that sometimes being humbled is a bit uncomfortable, yeah. even painful, yeah. right? Because we deal with pride, we deal with that EGO thing, and it ends up happening as God says very clearly that he was testing you to know what was in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not. He humbled you and let you hunger. Oh, 
God let them hunger. How many know that not eating food makes you hangry? Yeah. Right? Some of you, maybe you're at that point right now. You're hangry. Okay, you're like, we said this is going to be shorter service. I'm sorry. You know where liars go, right? It says in the book of Revelation. Do you know where that is? To the altar. So I'm just kidding. No, there's, there's mercy. <laughs> we won't be too long today. I'm serious. But the point I'm trying to make here is that God was the one who caused him to go without. Mm. God was the one who allowed them to experience limitations. Why? Because he's testing them. What do you do? How do we respond when we don't get what we want when we want it? God intentionally allows us to experience unfulfilled promises at times in our life, but doesn't mean that it's a no, doesn't mean it's denial, but it means at least there is a delay. But there are times when he denies us. There are. He knows what's best for you and I. And he understands that sometimes if he gave us what we wanted, it would not be good for us. So God leads them into the wilderness to tumble them, to test them, to expose their hearts to them. He already knew what was in their hearts. So that they would understand something of great revelation, of great significance and importance. And that revelation is this. The man, that word literally means male and female, does not live by bread alone, by the material, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. That means there is a present word that proceeds. Matthew 4 verse 4, Jesus quoted this verse when he was being tempted by the devil. And it literally is in the present tense, which means it's not just a word that you heard 10 years ago. It's not just what God said to you earlier this week, but it is a present word. It is an ongoing word that he wants to speak to you. So Romans says those that are led by the Spirit are the sons of God. Those that are led by the Spirit, those that follow the voice of God. Jesus said that he came from heaven to earth not to do his will, but to do the will of him who sent him, the Father. He said elsewhere that he said, I only do those things I see my father doing. He said, I only say those things I hear my father saying. His reason, the reason for his effectiveness while he was here on the earth was because he was completely submitted and surrendered to his father. That's it. And sometimes we don't know what to do. Sometimes we are at a loss to know the direction that we should go. Have you ever been there? Yeah. Right. How many of us say, no, I've never been there before? We will give an altar call at the end for those who are deceived or not telling the truth. Okay. You come to a place in your walk with God where you may not know the way you should go. And 
Guess what? God loves that. For those who have to have all their I's dotted, all the T's crotted, all the ducks in a row, you will struggle in the kingdom of God. If you are a control freak, I pray for you. Because honestly, the kingdom of God is the antithesis of that. You have to let him have control. You have to lose your life in order that you can find your life, is what Jesus said. And he will show you. He will guide you. He's not going to lead you in the dark. But you have to make a decision to allow him to lead you. And this is what the journey in the wilderness is all about. God had brought them into the wilderness to bring them to a place that they would begin to understand the purpose for their, their time in that season in the wilderness. Now, again, they didn't know tomorrow what's going to happen. Like, there's this pillar of cloud, there's a pillar of fire, there's a cloud, and they just followed God. That was it. So Moses, what's the plan tomorrow? Moses, I have no idea. Like, I don't know when the Lord says break camp and the pillar of cloud, the fire moves, we move. When he moves, we move. So what's the plan? When he moves, we move. That's the plan. So ultimately, we have to cut at a place where we understand that. Now, it takes for some of us a lot of deconstructing, a lot of death to self in our ways, denial, to be able to come to that place where we're willing to forsake all to follow the calm. God will bless you when you do things his way, right? But we often are like, God, bless my mess. And that's not how it works. Think about Abraham, right? He wanted to help God out. Remember that? God, you've given me a promise. Going to have a son. That's great. Hey, Sarah, you're too old, so what are we going to do about this? Well, I have this servant girl, Abraham, and you know what happens next. And then ultimately it was like they're trying to, to justify and to validate their disobedience and the course that they've chosen. And later on, God says, hey, you did this. This is the result of your choice, your decision. And then Abraham says, oh, that Ishmael might stand before you. And God says, I don't think so. It's not going to happen that way. Now, because you didn't wait on me. You took matters into your own hand, right? Have you ever heard the expression, God helps those who help themselves? Yes. Let me tell you something. It's not in the Bible. It's not there. Search for it. I, you got Google, guys. Search, okay? It's not there. Let me say this. God help those who help themselves. There's a difference. Because if you're the type of person that will just become, you know, the, the, the captain of your fate, the, the one who tries to take matters into your own hand and, and so on, you're never going to fully see God's power and glory manifested. You might have a solution that works temporarily. It might get you out of a, a quandary or predicament 
to a degree, but let me tell you, it'll never take you out of the wilderness into the promised land. You'll have to go back around the mountain one more time in order to learn the lesson. But when we trust the Lord, we lean not on our own understanding. In all our ways, we acknowledge him, right? Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Guess what happens? He directs our paths. And what does that mean? He said, he leads us in paths of righteousness. He leads us, Psalm 32, verse 8 and 9, says, in the way that is good for us. The way that is best for us is what it actually means. He knows best. So I want you to please understand that as Israel came out of Egypt, Egypt was the place of not enough. The the promised land will be the place of more than enough. But God brings them into the wilderness to have just enough. And you see, there's, there's a place of prophecy where God speaks to you. He gives you a word. He reveals his promises to you in his word. And you look at that and you go, there's a massive canyon. There's a gap. There's a, there's a chasm between here and there. Between revelation and manifestation, there's a massive gap. And God wants us to recognize and understand that the whole purpose of the wilderness was a place where they would learn complete dependence and trust in God implicitly. It's a place where you go from prophecy to sufficiency to destiny. We want to go from prophecy to destiny. It's kind of like, you know, the kids, you get in the car, you pull out, and you get around the corner, and you maybe get on the freeway, and the kids are like, are we there yet? Like, no, there's a journey. There's a journey, right? And we have to understand the destiny. The destiny is important. Where are we headed? Where are we going? I mean, can you imagine if you, you friends, and you're like, hey, it's, it's holidays, uh, let, let's, let's take a road trip. Let's, let's go on a road trip. And then you guys, you know, everybody rocks up. You throw your, your luggage in the car. And, and then at the last moment, you look at each other and you go, where are we going? <laughs> oh, we haven't discussed that yet. What's the destination? Where, where are we going? That would be ludicrous. That'd be ridiculous in the natural, wouldn't it? Uh, well, I don't know. Let's just get in the car and start driving. And maybe we'll end up somewhere and that's absurd we have to know the destiny it's very important the destination but there's still a journey and the journey is is of utmost importance it's of utmost importance we have to go on the journey we want quick solutions panaceas rather than process But God wants to bring us on a process that prepares us for ultimately what he has planned for our lives. So the destination for the children of Israel was a place called the promised land, the land flowing with milk and honey. When you get there, you know, he's very clear in the ensuing verses, verses number 7 through 9, the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land, 
a land of brooks of water, of fountains and springs, flowing out in the valleys and hills, a land of wheat and barley, of vines and fig trees and pomegranates, a land of olive trees and honey, a land in which you will eat bread without scarcity, in which you will lack nothing. You will lack nothing. So God is bringing them into the wilderness uh, to prepare them for their destination as part of the journey. But it's not the easiest, smoothest, quickest route. God has a purpose for the wilderness. But when they get into the promised land, ultimately, they are going to dwell and live there. They're going to abide in the promised land. In other words, the promised land was not a vacation. It wasn't a holiday. They, the promised land was their destiny. It literally was a vocation. You know the difference between a vacation and a vocation? You might be on holiday and, and do some work, but that's not your vocation. And what he's saying is that it is a place of vocation. The word vocation comes from a Latin term that means a calling. A calling. It's your calling. The promised land was their calling. It was the place where they would live and dwell. It was the place where they would settle, in other words. It was the realm of rest. It says in chapter 12 of Deuteronomy, verse 10, but when you go over the Jordan and live in the land, the Lord your God is giving you to inherit. You're going to live in that land. It's not visitation, but it's habitation. Secondly, it was a place of abundance where they would experience, listen to this, the fullness of God's provision, the fullness of what Jesus for us did at the cross where we are literally experiencing everything that is ours by virtue of his death and resurrection and the fulfillment of all promises. See, a land in which you eat bread without scarcity, in which you lack nothing. Then later on, we read in Joshua 21, verse 45, not one word of all the good promises that the Lord has made to the house of Israel has, had failed, all came to pass. And he's talking about when they transitioned into the promised land. Every promise came to pass when they came into the land. What's going to happen in the wilderness? See, some of us, we feel like, hey, I've been in the wilderness, and God's saying, yes, there's a purpose for the wilderness, and you can even delay or extend, how many know? You can extend your time in the wilderness by failing to submit to God. Stay longer. There was a generation that didn't make it in at all. That's scary. But Ultimately, there's still a purpose for the wilderness. God leads us to teach us, to prepare us, so that we will experience the fullness. The promised land is also a place of safety and freedom. Deuteronomy 12, 10b says, And he, God, will give you rest from all your enemies round about, so that you dwell in safety. It's a place of rest. Wow. A place where you dwell in safety, 
It's a place where you are not being bashed around all your life. God is saying, hey, this is my plan. This is my purpose for your life. And when you step into it, sometimes it can be literally a geographical location. It can be. It's not just that. It's spiritually. But when God has a plan and a purpose for your life, sometimes it can be the church that you align with. Some people are trying to see breakthrough and transformation in their lives, but unfortunately, they're not in the right place with the right people. And there's, there's a lot we could say about that. Sometimes, God forbid, it's the relationships that we have that hinder us. So we have to recognize that God wants to bring us to a place of freedom and safety where we experience the fullness of his blessings. But it all comes through a preparation process. A preparation process. You see, there's actually several things that we could, we could talk about. Let me just quickly uh, unpack these and then we'll, we'll, we'll go into greater depth next time. In the wilderness, before Israel could move from prophecy to destiny, they had to learn sufficiency, that God was their sufficiency. See, sometimes we think that, like, we could, you know, just to alliterate, okay, so, so Egypt is the place of destitution, right? It's the place of destitution. The promised land would be the place of dominion. But you see... The wilderness, some of us think it was a place of deprivation. But it wasn't the place of deprivation. They had everything they had need of, right? They had everything they had need of. I mean, it was manna every day. I know that gets old. But they still had everything they had need of. God was providing for them. So it wasn't like God was trying to deprive them like, oh, I want you to go without. I want you to suffer. No, no, no. He wasn't trying to do that. There's a purpose at times for not understanding or not experiencing everything because it's meant to bring us to a place of greater dependence on God. So it's not deprivation, but it's dependence. And when we learn to depend on him, boom, fully depend on him, boom, we cross over, we break through, we experience the favor of God upon our lives, and we live in a place of dominion. We live in a place where we experience the fulfillment. So what did Israel have to learn in the wilderness? Number one, that God was their sufficiency. Number two, God had to become their satisfaction. What does that mean? It means that they literally, I, I love this scripture in Psalm 62, verse 1. It, David says, my soul finds rest in God alone. He was in the wilderness when he said that, by the way. My soul finds rest in God alone. When it's not God and, but it's just God. Yeah. He's enough. He's my sufficiency. He will take care of me. It's not like, oh, yeah, I don't have needs, 
Of course we have needs. We have, we have social needs. We have financial needs. We have emotional needs. We have physical needs. We do, but the point is God wants us to come to the place where we delight ourselves in him, and he gives us the desires of our heart when we learn to delight in him. So he becomes our satisfaction. Thirdly, he's our shepherd. He leads us in paths of righteousness. He's, he's like the shepherd that leads us, that goes ahead of the sheep and, and shows them the way they're to go. And then lastly, he's our salvation. And what do I mean by salvation? Salvation is not just saying, well, I'm saved, I'm going to heaven. Salvation literally means, and we've talked about this already, it means that God literally rescues us. He delivers us. It's not just a thing he did once in the past, but it's a lifelong experience. He's delivering me. He's healing me. He's rescuing me. He's making me whole. He's bringing me through things, and he's bringing me out of things. He delivered them from Egypt. He delivered them in the wilderness, and he delivered them in the promised land, and he will deliver you all the days of your life, and whatever you go through, He'll be your salvation if you'll learn to trust in him.